0: This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. I want to go off uh, and just start the message like this. I'm sorry if I uh, looked tired, if I look tired right now, because I 100% am. I am exhausted. And we just had one of the biggest weekends that I think Clarksville sees each year where churches and communities come together. Um, And my sleep schedule is pretty thrown off, but we're here and I'm excited to be a part of just this Sunday service to get to... Uh, reflect on all that the lord has done because this weekend students decided to take deeper steps in their walk with the lord they for for some of them they decided hey this is when i'm going to acknowledge jesus as lord and savior and what i want to do this morning is i want to share all that the lord has done what he will do and i want to bring a word that god has put on my heart for some time to share so my name is Clay Knight. I'm the student minister here at Real Life Church. I just want to do a quick introduction for the people that I have not had the pleasure to meet yet. Um, I was born and raised in Greenville, South Carolina. If you know where that is, it's in the upstate of South Carolina. I have an incredible family, a loving family that supported me through everything, even when I told them, hey, I think the Lord is calling me to be a student minister in a church that's six hours away. You okay with that? Okay, I'm going to go do that. Um I recently just finished my degree in youth ministry at North Greenville University, and that's how I made the connections to our incredible staff here at Real Life. And uh, just recently, the biggest thing that's happened in my life is I just got married. My incredible wife, Millie, is here with me this morning. We're back, and if you guys want to see wedding pictures, feel free. We'd love to show you. Um, But... To This morning is not about me or my story, and what I want to do is I want to just share the greater story of how God changes our heart from the inside out. I want to talk about the Lord's faithfulness and his redeeming love. And this weekend, if you did not know, I know Freddie said it already, but this weekend was our Disciple Now weekend, where churches all around Clarksville came together to worship Jesus and I know this isn't next steps, so I'm gonna spare you the same thing, the same spiel that I've been giving you for weeks now about D-Now, but something that I never mentioned was our theme. Our theme for this weekend was Upended. And uh, it's based off of Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight through nine. And those verses talk about how man's thoughts and ways are not like God's thoughts or ways. And the word Upend, if you do a quick Google search, it means to set or turn something on its end. To turn it upside down. And that was the goal of this week. It was to see how God upends everything we think we know about the world and how to get by. Because I believe it's clear that we can see that man does not know everything, right? There's some things that we still got to get right. But this weekend was also about changing our thoughts. Seeking to understand why God why, has a different definition From our culture, what what we're living in in 2023, the world in 2023 has for words like success, failure, strength, and weakness, and truth. I believe that we can see is in, uh, the root of it is in Genesis 3. It's in our fall. It's in our rebellion against God, the God who loves for us and cares for us. And since the fall of man, when sin first entered our world, our nature, the very core of our being has been bent towards sin. And Romans chapter five, verse 12, explains this further, that through Adam's sin, it spread to all mankind and all mankind had to pay the price for their rebellion against God. And what sin has done, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, what sin has done, it has calloused our hearts. They've become deceptive um, and selfish. The world we live in has decided for themselves what is right and wrong. They have decided what rules to play by And those rules are always constantly changing. One person's rules or the things that they believe could be something completely different than what another person's believes. And if you want to be accepted in our world today, our culture, the world says that you have to play by their constantly changing expectations. And it reminds me of an episode from The Office. So raise your hand if you've seen The Office. Okay, okay. Students, I was expecting this. I'm, I'm thankful for the rest of the congregation. The office, uh, this is not me endorsing the office, but I'm on season eight and I'm about to finish. It's an incredible show. Uh, I, and yeah, you, you should try and watch it. Uh, on season seven though, the office at Dunner Mifflin decides to have a garage sale. And so Andy, Dwight, and Daryl, they notice that, uh, or Andy, Dwight, and, our excuse me, Andy, Daryl, and Kevin Um, are out shopping. They're at this garage sale. And uh, Kevin's selling this board game called Dallas. And so the guys want to get together. They want to play it. But there's no rules whatsoever. There's no instructions. But everybody's played board games, right? Everybody's played board games. So they decide, hey, we'll figure it out. And to make it a little bit more interesting, they put some money on it. And so the scene continues. Later on, they're coming back, and they're playing the board game. But there's already confusion. Like, what can people do on their turns? People are starting to get frustrated. And then out of nowhere, Daryl tries to play a card from a completely different board game, the game of life. And so everything's chaotic. Kevin becomes more and more frustrated because he believes that the game's not fair. But it also doesn't help that every time Kevin tries to express his frustration, um, Daryl and Andy just say, that's Dallas. That's how the game's played. No rules. And so it continues. And a scene later, they continue playing. And Andy and Daryl have both agreed that they are way beyond rules. Rules are not going to help their game now. If they try and bring any structure to the game, it's just going to, everything that they've worked toward is just going to fall apart. And so Kevin says, look, I'm done with this. I want my money back. But when he goes to grab, his money is gone. All the money's gone. So he gets up frustrated. He leaves and says, look, I'm not playing board games with you guys ever again. But the funny thing is, at the end of the episode, Kevin's holding the money. And he says, well, that's Dallas, baby. (laughs) And I think it's funny. I think this scene in the office is just like life sometimes. When we try and make up our own rules, we try and draw our own path for our lives, a lot of times that's going to lead to confusion, frustration, and usually not too many people are going to flourish. It can sometimes be like trying to win a board game without instructions. You can cheat. You can try and make up your own rules. You can try and lie to win. But is that what we're intended to do? Is that what we are here on this earth to do? I believe there's a much grander plan for our lives. And that includes a game master with a set of instructions that always allows us to flourish under his grace and mercy that are new every day. And I believe scripture makes this clear. There's many stories that we can look at to prove it. But I wanna look at one this morning with you that has impacted me Deeply, So if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. We're going to be taking a deeper look at verses 10 through 22. Because the life of Jacob, it's an interesting one. Where at times you have no idea what is going to happen. And how God is going to intervene and even save the covenant he made with Jacob's ancestor Abraham. So what we're going to do, we're going to dive into the text. We're going to have to look at a little bit of the historical context to help us understand why this moment in Israel's history is so important. Then we will see how even this ancient text is gonna challenge us to change our thinking and our doing just like the students did this weekend. All right, we ready? All right, Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, for the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, if he will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. If you would, just please join me in prayer for our time in the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it's the way that you've chosen to reveal yourself to us. God, that we can open it each and every day, knowing that your promises are true, that your love is just poured out to us in the words found in scripture God, that we can hold fast to these things that we can come back to them each and every day reminding of ourselves reminding ourselves how good you truly are God I pray for that this morning I pray that you would allow the scriptures to just mold our heart to change our thinking to upend our expectations God and that we would follow in obedience that we would trust you in our thinking and our doing lord i pray all of this in your heavenly name amen so in order to better understand where jacob is now and what his interaction with the lord means we'll need to begin with his birth so if you would please turn with me back to genesis 25 the beginning of genesis 25 so we can look at this together to continue the theme of this weekend, God shows us that even thousands of years ago, he was not afraid to challenge tradition. He was not afraid to upend tradition. The birth of Jacob and his twin brother Esau, and you might notice this in your Bibles. Um, I know it in mine it says it. Um, that in, uh, you'll see a subtitle around verse 19 of chapter 25 that says it's the birth of Esau and Jacob. Well, that's true because Esau was born first. Rebecca had two sons. God had given her the, the gift of childbirth in order to continue the covenant, pro, covenant promise. There had to be someone to, again, continue, uphold that promise. And so she was given the gift of, of, of childbirth uh, because the covenant promise that God had made first with Abraham is the one that we just read that he gave to Jacob. That one, again, where he said that the, the land of Canaan will be yours, the offspring, um, your offspring would be too many to number, and that through him and his offspring, every family on the earth would be blessed. So in her pregnancy, Rebecca experienced a lot of pain, and so she went to the Lord. She asked, if you were to give me this gift, why would I be experiencing so much pain? And God tells her that there's two nations in your womb, and he closes by saying that the older will serve the younger. Right? And this is why it's so important. This is where God upends. He changes the status quo. The reason that this is so important, because it's back in ancient biblical times, it would be disgraceful for the older brother to serve a younger brother. As the firstborn son, Esau would succeed Isaac as the head of the family, and he had a double share of their inheritance. But God at times chooses the younger son to lead, um, to carry out his divine purposes. Another story that you might be familiar with is Joseph and his brothers and, and look at the incredible things that God had done through him. And what God shows here and what I want us to understand from looking at our context this morning of our passage is that his sovereign, his supreme power and authority cannot be thwarted by any other person's plans. Nothing will thwart the God of the universe's plans, no matter how difficult it may seem or the abnormal way that he chooses to do it in. Ultimately, our ways and our thoughts are not like God's. So when it was time for Rebekah to give birth, Esau came out first, all red-bodied and hairy, and Jacob came out grabbing Esau's heel. And the interesting part about this is that the name Jacob means one that grabs a heel a finagler or a cheater. And we can assume here how the older son might end up serving the younger. Jacob grabbing Esau's heel signifies the division and the combating and the wrestling that was happening within Rebecca's womb, but it would also show how they would grow up with one another. And if you think the story now is getting good, if you think the tensions are building, to add on top of it, each parent had a favorite. So in verse 27, it says, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, and Rebecca loved Jacob. Now, I truly believe this is a recipe for disaster. Now, parents, I'm not going to ask anything of you for you to give me a signal or to raise your hand, but at least in my family, it was pretty clear who the favorite was. I have a younger sister. Um, she's 19. She's incredible, but I uh, <laughs> see one kid pointing back there to him. He's like, yeah, it's definitely me. Um, For me and my parents, right, I could definitely tell that my mom, you know, I was my mom's favorite. We uh, both uh, just had the same, like, um, love for just talking and meeting people, inviting people. And for my dad and my sister, I think it's just this southern thing that a dad and his daughter, there's just something there that is nowhere, like, seen nowhere else in the world. Because every time I would ask my dad something... He would be like, you know, go ask your mom or no, we can't do that. But the minute my sister would ask my dad the exact same thing, it was done. He, was, he would stop whatever he was doing. He would go and he folded like a lawn chair every time. I don't know what it was. But you can see how the, the tensions will build, especially when both of these parents are trying to, to do what's best for their son. So there's so many things in this story that help build the tension, and it only gets worse when Jacob begins to take on his name through his actions. Jacob deceives his brother Esau by taking his birthright and the blessing from his father Isaac. Now look, Esau, we we can know if you've read his story, he doesn't seem like the brightest guy, right? He gave up his inheritance for a a bowl of stew. And and yes, he might've been hungry, but, I mean, a whole inheritance for a too. I don't know. I, I, I might have made the same decision. But, and they also had two Hittite wives. And the reason that this is important is because it made life bitter for his mom and dad. Again, just continuing that theme of who's going to receive the covenant promise. But Jacob was neither in the right. He had done things. He had deceived his brother. He took action in order to get what he wanted. And his deception gains him the things that he desired. That wealth and that eventually he would become the family's successor. So it does not look like either son is ready to take on this large covenant promise that God originally made with Abraham. But again, continuing on on looking at the sovereignty of God, the blessing given by God to Rebecca, that the younger would serve the older is happening. God's promises are being fulfilled even in the midst of what we can see is chaos. So I know that's a lot of narrative, but it is going to help us understand the context of our passage. So we can flip back to Genesis chapter 28 and look at our text for today. So Jacob's on the run. His brother Esau is furious. He's mad and he wants to kill him. And so um, after being deceived two times, his mother recognizes his um, his situation, her her youngest son's situation, and with her quick thinking and her deception, she convinces Isaac to allow him to go and find a wife from her uh, from his brother from her brother Laban. And if you know what happens later in the story, you can see this whole family is just deception, deception, lies and lies. And as Jacob journeys to Badan Aram. It was long. Some scholars say that it took up to 40 days, especially by foot. So he spent the night. He found a place, spent the night, and you, again, can tell his situation is pretty bad because he has to use a pillow, as a, a rock as a pillow. This is what his deceptions earned him. He's on the run from his brother, probably thinking what Esau was thinking, right, at coming out of the wilderness, famished, looking for something to, to satisfy him, he says, what good is all my deception if I die in the wilderness, if I die on the way, if my brother Esau kills me? But God's not surprised. Jacob's actions and Esau's response don't surprise God at all. What he said will come to pass, and this is why I love this text and I love this interaction that God has with Jacob. Jacob dreams about a ladder that starts at earth and ascends all the way to heaven. Angels were going up and down on it. And God was standing at the top. And at this time, in ancient biblical times, God was believed, uh, where God was believed to appear, um, it was supposed to be um, a place where you could have direct access to the heavenly realm. So people would go to these places. They hoped to hear from God. Um, and, and we could probably assume that Rebecca um, did, went to a place just like this in order to, get, to inquire from the Lord about the the stage of her pregnancy, but there was no monument or anything that alerted Jacob that he was lying on sacred ground. So I think that's why he, he responded the way he did. He responded with so much awe. He didn't know that he was standing on holy ground, but it wasn't because the ground for some reason was intrinsically holy. It's not the reason God decided to meet him there. He decided to meet Jacob in that space at a particular time because he had a plan specifically to use Jacob. And in verses 13 to 15, God assures Jacob of just this, that he will be the one that obtains the covenant promise, that God promises Jacob that the land on which he lies will be his, that his descendants shall be like the dust of the earth and shall spread out across the land, and that through him and his offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And those promises are for the future. Those are promises for Jacob to look forward. But what about his current condition? Well, God gives him a promise for that as well. God assures him that in his present condition, he will be with him wherever he goes and that he will bring him back to this land. And I believe this is the greatest promise that God could give Jacob in this moment because he didn't know where he was going. He had a long journey ahead with his brother chasing after him. He could go confidently forward knowing God was with him, that God is a faithful God. And that's what I want to bring to your attention this morning. Jacob's unfaithfulness And his sin against his brother and his family is not dependent on the blessings God has poured out on his father Isaac and his father Abraham. The Bible makes it clear that they have their shortcomings as well. But God is faithful to his promises, even in Jacob's disobedience and his running. God changes the way Jacob thinks about his future. Just like, again, our expectations were upended by God's word this week, God upends Jacob's thinking about his future it's not it's no longer about his earthly inheritance that he's acquired by deception but it is about inheriting the blessings of God the blessing of God through Jacob and his offspring would bless every family our God is a God full of blessings and he wants to bless you and we now know because of God's faithfulness and through the scriptures that it would take form and come down in flesh to live among people. His name is Jesus, and his perfect life fulfilled in full obedience to the will of the Father is how we today can know the presence of God. And it's beautiful to live in his presence. It's beautiful to know God and his promises that are found in Scripture. They are true. And we want people to flourish for God's glory. And it's good to know, again, this morning, this truth that God's love and faithfulness does not hinge on our devotion. We're sinners. When given the opportunity to live with God, we decided that we knew best and we turned away from him. We thought what we knew, what real flourishing looked like. And the story of Jacob shows us that God's plans are greater than our own that he calls us to take part of something bigger, that he has a glorious purpose of making his known and he wants us to be a part of it. So what does it matter? What does it matter if God's faithfulness does not hinge on our faithfulness? What does it matter? Well, I believe that's the good news of the gospel, that as sinners, all of us being trapped in our sin could not cheat, could not lie or work hard enough to obtain salvation, to be righteous enough to come before God It was only by God's grace and his mercy that he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that our debt would be paid. And as sinners, our debt, what we deserve for our sin is death, eternal separation away from God. But Jesus paid it all. He paid it all so we could live with the promises of God. We could live confidently. We could go forward like Jacob confidently knowing God is with us. He holds on to God's promises. Jacob does. Even though he does not know how long he is going to be on this journey. And if you, if you read further in the story, in the story of Jacob's life, um, his uncle Laban deceives him. And for 20 years, he's stuck there in Padanaram waiting on the woman that he loves. But Jacob goes every day knowing that God has a plan for him, that he's been promised his presence. And the cool thing about Jacob's story is that God keeps his promises. Jacob is saved from his brother's wrath. God brings him back to the place he first revealed himself to Jacob. And from Jacob's lineage, he bears 12 sons. And those sons ultimately become the 12 tribes of Israel. And I come to this passage a lot because in the most stressful period of my life, which I know for most of you, you're like, okay, you're 23. What have you had to go through? And I understand. But the past six, really eight months of my life, these are some of the things that happened. I got engaged in July, began my last semester of college while working two jobs. I began interviewing and applying for jobs to different places, Um, finally landed that job, um, moved away from my family um, that I'd lived in, in, the place that I lived for my entire life, and then just recently got married. So I believe I've done some of the most monumental things in a person's life in just such a short period of time. And the thing is, 99% of the time, I would wake up every single morning with some kind of doubt, with some kind of fear. Like, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? You want me to leave and go six hours away to lead students, to disciple them, to take them deeper in their faith? Is this really what you want me to do with my life? There's a lot of questions there for sure. Never been the guy. Clay, can you graduate? You're so close. You've got a couple more papers. You've got a couple more assignments, right? But as I was working two jobs, it was really, really hard to see the finish line. And 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 get this, too. Here's another one. I doubt and fear that I am still, uh, you know, it's working out. Two weeks has been great. <laughs> but... Uh, am I going to be a good husband, truly? With all of this going on, I'm thankful I had hope. I've never done any of those things, obviously, and my support system was great. But the thing that got me through it day in and day out was just simple meditation on God's word. That's what it was. And I can't imagine going through that without hope, without knowing the truth of the gospel so I just want us to try and put ourselves in maybe another person's shoes and think of a person who had worked their entire life for this one job. They they built their entire career just wanting to get to this point. They found their value, they found their confidence, they found their security in their job and then out of the blue, they lost it. Or think about the parent. I got to interact with a lot of parents this weekend, right? But Parents, you have so much love for your children and, and what if for some reason you just continue to pour out and pour out, pour out your love and you're just, your child just lives in rebellion? Those things would be incredibly difficult without hope. And my hope today, but especially last year, was again solely rooted in a heart and a love for God's word. Because as a 22-year-old, Knowing God has called me to full-time ministry, I know he's called me to do this, but I have no idea the right way to get started, what to do, where to go, and, and, and what's the right way. But then I read the words in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Or coming back to this passage in Genesis chapter 28 and just thanking God for his Holy Spirit. Thanking God for his son and the sacrifice that he has made for me. Knowing that I'm not alone. That God has a plan for me and as a believer I know the Holy Spirit is working on my behalf. And the thing is I don't stop there. Scripture is so good so I jump to John 14 and I start reading about his Holy Spirit and how he's a comforter and how he's a helper for me as I walk Deeper and deeper, and I, just, I try and again embrace the love of Jesus each and every day. The promises of God are true and they apply to us all. And to the person who just lost a job, right, the scripture gives us value in that. So, the person that just lost a job, who again met his career, met everything for him, did you know that your identity, that God says your identity, is in him because he created you. That you were made in the image of God, that the God of you, the universe that spoke life into existence, that spoke creation into existence, that knows and loves every part of you and wants you, and wants to be with you for eternity, your value is not what you... In what, in, your value is in not what you... In. Let's just take a second. Let's just take a second. Your value is not in what you can do, but it's in who made you. Let that sit in, but don't stop there. The scripture has so much more to talk about. That if you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord, that you are an heir of Christ, that you will one day be glorified with him. There's so much more. And for the parent that has tried so hard to love their child and nothing seems to work, God calls us to trust in the Lord, to give over our request, our frustrations, our feelings to him, We're called to lean on his understanding, to submit to his ways, and he will make our path straight. That's Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. To just sit in his word that was breathed out by God, that was given to us for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that we can say, God, you are better. I will trust you. And when we trust God with our lives, I believe he upends our situations and our expectations. And to mention Tim's message last week, we are busy people that are influenced by so many things. I mean, you can just look at all social media and everything that's going on, right? It, it, our world seems to be going a million miles a minute. But I wonder, for many, when was the last time we got away and just spent time with the Lord? And, and I, know, I, I know that everybody has their plans. I've got mine. Right? I'm doing Tara Lee, trying to read a Bible in a year. She's awesome. She's got even a podcast. She's great. So if you don't have anything you're reading in particular, I would start there. But that we would stop checking off the boxes, that we would not just read another passage, but we would allow the Lord to speak to us and just stop. That we would stop on one verse and allow the truth of God's word to just soak in. I truly believe that I, I don't think I would be here if it was not just for revisiting the Lord's sweet promises that were laid upon my heart in that season. Because when we start allowing the truth of God's word to drop from our heads to our hearts, we start living an upended life that does not look anything like the world. The beauty of the truth that, we were, that we're talking about today, that God's faithfulness does not hinge on our faithfulness is that whatever season you're in, whatever you're going through, whatever current situation is either leading you to joy or to um, some kind of trouble, you can return to the Father. You can be reminded of his goodness and rest in the promises that he has set over you. You can do that today. And that's what I wanna challenge you with this week, that in your reading, right, whatever it may be, And if you're not reading anything in particular, just allow the Lord to speak to you. Ask him, what does my soul need? And you know, you and God know, again, what your current situation is, what you're going through. Just ask him. Don't allow yourself to believe the lies anymore. God has truth for you here in his word. Allow him to upend. Allow him to turn your situation in your life upside down by simply finding time to sit in his word, to allow it to, again, hit your heart. And just spend time in one verse, in one verse. And and I challenge you, just mark it up. Read it over and over and over again. Memorize it, pray over it, and then ask the Lord how you can live it out. How you can live in the truth of his word how the faithfulness of the Lord can just fall over you. Again, so in whatever situation you are going through now, it can give you hope and peace in your life. If you would, please please pray with me this morning. God, that's it. That's it, your faithfulness is so good we don't deserve it lord we're, in, we're sinners we've turned away from we've turned away from you all the blessings that you've given us god but i pray this morning that we would no longer believe the lies that we would know just exactly how good you are that we would be able to see that in your word that we would take time to just stop in our busy lives to just focus on one truth to embody it to again allow our the knowledge from our head to drop down to our heart. God, I pray that you would just answer requests. God, when people come to you with questions and they run to you for answers, God, that you would give them the answer that their soul needs, that you would be able to point them to the truth found in your word, knowing that Lord, you are faithful to your promises, and you keep your word, and that they have all been fulfilled in Jesus. God, I pray all of this today in your heavenly name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.